Hello. Welcome. It's Resume Review. This is episode two of my Anderson Silva series. I've done longer series like this in the past, like the George St. Pierre series. Um, started one on John Jones and BJ Penn. I was like, I don't have the energy for this, but maybe I'll get back to those eventually. Uh, maybe not. But yeah, Anderson Silva is an interesting one because many people consider him uh, to be the greatest of all time. I would say more people than that still consider him to be the greatest middleweight of all time. And by most metrics, I get that. Uh, he has the most title defenses. He has some, some names on his resume. It totally makes sense from that perspective. The perspective that I want to bring is an analysis of his quality of opposition in terms of ability, um, not in terms of accomplishments. So sometimes people can get lost in mixing those things together. I like to separate them and look just at ability uh, compared to modern standards because he's being measured against people who are competing today, um, like Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero. They're, they're fighting people from this era. Um, so just objectively, if you want to look at all of them against their opponents, judging by the same scale, I think that's an important thing to do. I totally get if you want to make things separate and say, well, I just look at accomplishments and he's more accomplished for his time. Whatever. That's not what I'm doing. So don't don't tell me that. I don't care. <laughs> doing something different. Um, but this is episode two. Episode one, I took a look at his early career uh, in Pride and uh, I forget what the other one was. Shuto? I think it was Shuto uh, with uh, Sakurai and Carlos Newton. And then I looked at his early UFC run. Uh, I, I've been skipping over opponents that I'm pretty sure aren't going to meet my quality standards basically a quality opponent is someone who does a good job generally of approaching their win condition so their win condition can be anything it's you have to see what it is in the fight it varies from fight to fight for some people um some fighters are very consistent you know exactly what they want to do and then they have these tools and attributes and ideas that work towards that goal um so michael chandler doesn't have the deepest skill set on the feet as a striker, but his weapons work together with his wrestling. They all serve his purposes. Like he wants to pressure, he wants to uh, control middle space and explode in. Like he has weapons that make sense for what he wants to do. And he has the attributes to make it really effective. Like he's really explosive and fast and strong and has interestingly good cardio and you know, all those other things. And of course, you can weigh the aggregate skill set, cumulative skills. Uh, in those respective areas, but I think it's more important how they are contributing to a win condition. And then, of course, things like power and cardio, chin, durability, um, those also factor into how you pursue a win condition. So you can have a crazy chin, but if you really don't have a style where it's like important that you have a good chin, like if you're not really doing anything anyway and people don't need to knock you out, they can just like take you down or out, you know, volume strike you, stuff like that. It doesn't really factor in very much, but if you're someone who's pressuring or that needs to get in a lot of exchanges and you had a crazy chin, that's going to boost you uh, significantly because it's a huge, you know, factor in your favor. So that's the kind of stuff that I look at to determine quality. And I use a system of a zero to 100 rating. I think if you meet my, my minimum standards, uh, you're a 70, which is, you know, C minus obviously. And then a 100 would be the best fighter we've ever seen. Of course, the fighter being rated is the fighter who loses. Um, so you're beating someone. So I'm rating that who you beat. How hard was it to beat them? How good of a job did they do trying to beat you? So that's that's how I evaluate. Um, 
if you just evaluate how good the winner's performance was, you're probably not going to get that much out of it because if I fight a five-year-old and I win very clean and effortlessly, that's totally meaningless. You have to look at what the resistance was. What was the other person doing? What did you have to overcome? Uh, how good of a job were they doing to, to get that, get one over you? So I think that makes sense. I think that's a logical way to approach it. I totally understand if you have different ways that you want to evaluate greatness, but I think this is a good way to evaluate fighter goodness. And how I like to evaluate greatness is how many good fighters did you beat and how good were they? Um, I think people can get behind that just as a thing to measure, even if it's not objectively what you want to say determines greatness. Um, especially when it comes to, to different eras, although MMA is such a young sport to really be segmenting it into eras yet. Um, has it, has it earned that status? I don't know, but Anderson Silva is definitely one that's going to bring up this conversation. Someone like Fedor as well. Um, look at GSP, you know, GSP, I did his resume review and I, that was several eras, uh, his career span. I found quality fighters the whole time and he has a very strong resume, uh, despite half more than half of his career taking place in a weaker era you might say um weight class is also something that'll contribute to that there are less quality fighters to be found at higher weight classes there are systemic institutional reasons for that not just that big fighters are incapable of being good because the way i just described how you can be quality weight shouldn't affect that right you know fighters have the way that they're going to win and they, they approach it a certain way I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to doing some resume reviews for heavyweights, honestly, because I, I feel like this is a very fa fair evaluation system for goodness. And uh, I'm going to get to the bottom of some stuff in terms of heavyweights and why they are the way that they are. Um, and if, if they're good by certain standards. But anyway, enough of that. That's just an explanation of my criteria. I feel like that's important to get out of the way. Um, but yeah, we're going to watch a few more Anderson Silva fights today. We left off with the Rich Franklin uh, rematch in which Rich Franklin probably looked like the best opponent Silva had fought thus far, um, which wasn't saying too much. It was like flashes of goodness, of good ideas, but he couldn't hold it together at all, and his defense was really poor, and he was lacking a lot of competencies. Um, so he didn't look like a very well-put-together fighter, unfortunately, under duress, um, although he, he had some nice things drilled in, like his, he was jab-hooking very well, and he was kicking uh, the closed side very well, and had a better idea of what to do in tie-ups in the clinch, but it just wasn't really up, up to par uh, if we're comparing to where modern fighters are at this point. Like, skill for skill, most UFC fighters today are better than Rich Franklin was at that point. And just, you know, the sport developed a lot. It's not his fault too much. I mean, yeah, there were fighters at lighter divisions at that time who were a lot more skilled than Rich Franklin, uh, but it's okay. So uh, the next one, might be the most interesting one. I'm going to watch uh, Anderson Silva versus Dan Henderson. This is from 2008. Uh, Dan Henderson was, I believe he had a chance to, to unify both of his pride titles. So he, um, he won the pride welterweight, which is actually a middleweight for the like UFC standards uh, title off Bustamante, uh, won their tournament. Um, and then he also knocked out Vanderlei Silva to win the middleweight title, which is the light heavyweight title for the UFC. And uh, he lost his uh, unification fight to rampage at lay heavyweight. And then he dropped down to middleweight to try for the middleweight belt against Silva. So not quite prime. I don't know. What, what do you want to consider Henderson's prime? Like his most winning period uh, once he was further developed because he turned pro in 
1997, right? So about 10 years into career is usually when you peak. Uh, so this is exactly 10 years into his career at this point. But then the next couple of years, uh, like from the Paul Harris fight to the uh, Shogun fight uh, that people consider one of the greatest fights of all time. He had a really, really good run where he beat Shogun, he beat Fedor. Uh, Feja was good at the time, you know, for the division, uh, the best big knockout beat Rich Franklin. So those are probably his best batch of wins, you know, in a row. So you could consider this probably one of the best Dan Henderson's ever, or maybe the loss spurred him to make some technical developments that made him even better. But we're going to find out by watching the fight. So no matter what, you're not going to know what you know until you watch the fight. So it's it's hard. It's really hard to make these types of ratings if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it recently enough to actually make an evaluation like that. So I think before you go on about a fighter's quality or, or what a win means, I think you should go watch the fight again recently with a fresh set of eyes, with, with an analytical high, trying to make an evaluation. I think that's important. So I believe you. If you're smart enough to be like listening to, to this and being a fight site fan and uh, being interested in analysis, I think you can watch fights and get a good read on on quality and, and do that kind of evaluation. It's just most fans haven't done that before. They don't think to do that. Um, but once you start doing it, you get used to it. And that's like step one of doing your own analysis is just start thinking about that kind of stuff. Okay. So I'm going to watch this fight with Dan Henderson. And um, if you are watching the video, you're good to go. You're, you're on Patreon. You're seeing my face right now. I got the sun in my eyes. <laughs> it's uh, it's bright I'm right in front of a window. And uh, yeah, you, you got the whole, the whole show. But if you're listening on an audio platform, uh, I'm a little disappointed in you, to be honest. If you're already a patron and you're listening on an audio platform, that's just weird. Um, but I can't knock you for it because you're, you're paying me. But if you're not, it's only $3 uh, to become a patron of the fight site. There's other tiers that are more money, but the bare minimum is $3. And that gets you a crazy amount of content. A lot of it's mine. Uh, but there is other stuff on there and things that you haven't accessed through the free uh, audio from the podcast app. So you think you might have access to all of our Patreon stuff, but you haven't seen half of it. Honestly, there's, there's a lot more that you don't know about. Um, but yeah, go check that out. And uh, it, it's okay that we'll make allowances for you just for now until, until our, our podcast views are sustained by our podcast. I don't have to also supplement it with uh, with the shows like this. From Patreon, you'll still get the audio links, but someday, someday they'll be gone. You'll have to be a patron. So think about that. So if you're just listening and you're trying to sync up with your own video, uh, you're going to have to do it on Fight Pass. So if you don't have Fight Pass, you're, you know, it's going to have a hard time syncing up. But if you're on Fight Pass, I'll tell you the timestamp for this video, which is 1233. Um, and what's going to happen is I'm going to count down. I'll say three, two, one, go. And on, on go, we'll both hit play be watching the fight at the same time and then you can watch as i do this commentary and, and evaluate uh does that make sense all right let's do it three two one go so i know enough about dan henderson to surmise his win condition he's a wrestler he hits hard uh he's gonna punch and wrestle but you know let's see if there's anything about pressure or about directionality anything specific that that he's trying to do or had not have done to him and a lot of this is going to be about adjustments is what does Anderson Silva do and how does Dan Henderson react to it? And what does he try to change um, to become more successful as the fight goes on? So he's kicking the, the open side of the leg. That's a, a smart thing to do in an open stance matchup, obviously. Um, 
there you go again. And Silva becoming more of a counter puncher at this stage in his career. So outside attacks, uh, not, not big committed entries can be a safe tactic. Uh, Nate Marquardt and Rich Franklin both tried to do this to Anderson Silva, kick him on the outside, and they had some success with it. So a decent approach so far. He is winning. <laughs> Let's see what happens once uh, Silva opens up with his offense. So I think uh, Anderson will probably get, uh, get itchy and pull the trigger before Silva does. So he's fainting some entries. There's his, uh, his right hand. Um, but he fainted a couple entries before he threw that right hand, so that's not too bad. Look, he's just trying to drive in and counter that low kick. Uh, I think he was either looking to hit the right hand or get a takedown, but uh, generally a good a good plan so far is uh, try to get the score a bit on his own outside and counter when Silva does uh, pull the trigger himself. Um, so that's a good general approach. The execution has been okay so far. Oh. <laughs> so he's getting a little bit predictable with his in and out. Uh, and that he's only going to be coming straight forward. So Silva kind of timed a linear attack there. Um, so let's see if Henderson gets a little better with fainting. And there you go. He backs out of range there. But that's not beneficial to his game plan too much. He needs to be uh, disguising his entries and not giving up too much space. Now he's pressuring with his feet more, but he uh, cannot cut off the cage at all with his feet and didn't throw any strikes to cut off the cage. So if he's trying to pressure, that's not good. Oh, he gets a reactive body lock. Take Silva down. He's in a half guard now. That's uh, that's pretty good for him. And uh, I think he was trying to be be annoying on the outside to bait Silva into um, taking a committed attack so he could get that counter. You saw it with that that try to he tried to catch the leg. Pretty similar uh, approach there conceptually. So a good game plan from Dan Henderson. I would say Henderson uh, definitely looks the most competent uh, overall so far of anybody that Silva has fought. Uh, he's covering the mouth here, trying to disrupt the breathing. It's a very Team Quest style of grappling. Uh, it's very uh, grindy and, and attrition focused. Those, those punches are basically nothing, but Dan Henderson does hit very hard, so I'm sure they feel like something because uh, it's Dan Henderson. He's getting a little bit of height on those. <laughs> he's hitting the side of the head, which is a, a wide open target towards the temple, which can be disrupting. Silva just kind of chilling. And half guard keeping him locked down. I don't know if he wants a stand up or if he wants to force Henderson to try to create space for him uh, to open up some opportunities, but stuck on his back so far. Definitely losing this round. Um, yeah, I don't. I, if this is Henderson's approach, I think it's pretty solid this far. I'm just going to need to see it hold up a little bit more under duress because Silva has barely done anything so far. And his takedown defense is like, just horrendous at this point. It never gets very good, but it gets better than this. <laughs> His bottom game gets a little better than this too, but uh, this half guard position is definitely different than traditional half guard where Silva's actually, you know, turned his hips over and, you know, it's basically just hooked that leg over to stop from getting mounted. Um, so he's, he's across his own body a little bit there. He doesn't really have anything underneath him. His hips aren't engaged. Um, so he needs space to, pull his left leg back across and get the guard, honestly. Um, so, yeah, he's just trying to hold Dan Henderson down here. It probably would have been better just to accept actual side control and get his hips back through and get to guard, but he chose this life. <laughs> Henderson thinking about passing, but he doesn't really want to. I think something happened there with their legs. I think uh, Silva got it. Yeah, he squared up. It might be traditional. Yeah, he, he, uh, he took side control, so. With only this much time left in the round, it's not really that big of a deal. But you see that now he's trying to turn his hips in and 
shrimp a little bit. And uh, Henderson didn't really have a lot of control with his tie-ups there. But at this point in the round, it's not a huge deal. And he's just going to stay, stay flat, stay heavy. So, so far, so good from Henderson. You can really only judge based on what they offer you. So I was like, oh, does this make him 100? Because it's a perfect game plan. It's not. Um, like I said, it's a combination of the approach, but also like what are the cumulative skills being displayed and the attributes uh, being displayed for, for said game plan. Um, but for what he's doing, I think he's doing it solid. This is like a C-level game plan. He's uh, executing well so far. Yeah, he uh, blocked that outside leg with his knee. Uh, and pulled him over with the body lock. That's a classic uh, body lock execution. Yeah, good round for Dan Henderson. Probably didn't expend that much energy. And uh, Silva probably also did not expend that much energy. Five-round fight, so we'll see how things progress. Yeah, Dan Henderson is definitely going to open up at some point. but I would like to see how this would have continued if he literally did the same exact thing he did in the first round and just, you know, stayed pretty annoying on the outside and just try to get Silva to attack him try to reactive hit reactive takedowns, but getting reactive body locks on Anderson Silva is something that works early in fights, but we saw it with Sakurai and Newton. It's something that he adjusts to. <clears throat> he finds, he finds the distance for it. He sees it coming. He starts to put frames in, uh, with the double collar tie, and now he's pressuring. See, he doesn't want to play that game anymore. He's trying to get Henderson on the back foot. Let's see what Henderson can do off the back foot um, to, to stop this from happening. He's trying to throw against uh, Silva's entries to scare him off, I believe. So now he's trying to, to give him a little bit of a look on the lead level changing there, which is probably setting up fainting the right hand or a takedown, but probably just the right hand. He's not really going to shoot a, a double. That's um, not really his style. So it gets countered there, lunging across space with his right hand. Pretty bad execution there. Uh, terrible kick. It <laughs> gets countered and turned off into, into the open. So now Dan Anderson kind of displaying where his striking's at in this matchup, and uh, it's in a bad place. So there's that overhand counter to the low kick. Nice uh, uppercut off the collar tie. So Henderson using those transitional spaces to get offense. Silva so kicking the open side, kicking the body straight. Henderson panicking a bit, shoots a pretty bad double and gets put on his back. Yikes. Yeah, I told you his double isn't good. Um, so you see that. So you're like, oh, he's a he's this good wrestler, but like he's good. He's his main background is Greco. He wrestled in college, but most of his career was Greco after that. So he probably didn't train leg attacks at all for a while. He stands up into the body lock. That's good. Getting those knees through. See if he can. I think they probably still called this dirty boxing, but if you know, that's that's also classic team quest. It says dirty boxer on his shorts. That's funny. Um, Clinch Gear is Dan Henderson's apparel company. True story. Um, they they're still operating. I like I like their style of uh, of shorts. This is not part of the commentary, but I just wanted to mention that. So Henderson using his head positioning to keep Silva taller, so he can't get underneath him to dig his own underhooks. But I mean. There's a huge window there. Oh, yeah. And Silva reached for it and, and Henderson stood up. He tries to block outside and redirect. That would have worked in open space, but the cage was there to catch Silva and stop the takedown. Um, 
Yeah, I like Silva's adjustment of, of pressuring Henderson and getting him to throw because he's getting super sloppy and frantic. Oh, nice knee from Henderson gets through. Silva catching that in the shoulder, ate that one clean. Yeah, making Henderson swing and miss, just backing right up. Oh, and just punishing him for these really sloppy swings. Um, and Henderson falling all over the place. So Henderson got pretty nuts immediately as soon as Silva started pressuring and just backing up when he saw him throwing. And uh, he just did not know how to cover space responsibly at all which is pretty terrible. Um, you need to be a counter striker to execute that specific game plan to make Henderson look that way. But a lot of fighters are good enough counter punchers now to make that happen. Anderson Silva is like one of the only ones at the time. But yeah, that was, that was really a really bad look. Um, it's just, it's rough, man. It's rough trying to evaluate these things. Cause like, all right, so we had Henderson's game plan. It was, boosted by his attributes. Um, he had a skill competency to make it work and just or avoid, avoid of skill and another area that really made it all fall apart as soon as Silva made one adjustment to, to lead and pressure a little bit more and play with space a bit. It wasn't anything too complicated and it really just wrecked his whole game. Um, so you're not going anywhere beyond a seat with that. Like I'm being really generous just to call that a quality win by modern standards right now. But, um, oh, nice new the body from Silva. But I will, I will do that because I've already rated it a win, a quality win. But I mean, dude, um, he really fell apart. But of course, he has this crazy iron chin, um, that should allow for that game plan to be a little bit better. But it really wasn't the chin that had anything to do with it. it was his positioning it was like his footwork he fell down um <laughs> like throwing and like just got really sloppy and crazy and fell over <clears throat> fell over and like dove at him on his knees and it just his chin really didn't help his game plan at all um of course he would have knocked out instead of what happened but i mean it was just as bad <laughs> he's in a terrible position and like as a grappler he doesn't really ha- seem to have a lot of good ideas off his back either um, so he's not really helping his case. So forgive me if I'm not particularly impressed by this performance. Uh, I mean, I'm impressed that Silva made a good adjustment and said, yeah, here's how I'm going to, let's see how you deal with this. And he couldn't deal with it at all. It's also just like his opponents were very limited. So it's not like, oh, they suck. It's just like compared to modern fighters, like if Anderson Silva fought Marvin Vittori from USC 263, I think that'd be a pretty freaking tough fight for him and he might lose. Um, because he is more competent roundly than Dan Henderson. He's pretty durable. He can do exactly what Dan Henderson did. Honestly, he can, he could execute that same exact game plan if he wanted to. Um, and he's bigger. So like when you're, when you're comparing across eras, like it's unfair because, uh, it's, it's a huge gap a lot of the time. And just th- that guy had two titles in pride. Um, and he, he was very limited. Of course, this is a matchup that made him skittish. I believe, uh, he wasn't throwing the way he normally does. And, uh, his power wasn't having the same impact that it normally does. Cause Anderson Silva's got a super granite chin always did. And, uh, yeah, it was a particularly difficult matchup for him in, in the striking, just because he knew he had no composure or, or, you know, real clean technique on the feet. He was mostly attributes on the feet and, uh, Silva had better attributes on the feet uh, to, to win that matchup. And then, you know, he could get the takedown, but only like these clean reactive body locks and basically nothing else. 
uh, was going to work for him. And like I said before, those body locks wouldn't have lasted forever either because Silva's pretty good at getting those frames in. So uh, it's it's a quality win, but it's not a high quality win. Um, it's just, it's one. Um, so if I'm being critical, um, it's probably the only one he has so far. Um, if I'm being generous, it's the best one so far still, but maybe maybe you, you can rate some of those other ones thus far but yeah it's just uh it's just weird it's weird watching old fights um <laughs> like damn like this is this sport's come a long way really quickly uh but we're gonna watch another one uh we're not gonna watch james Irvin because i don't think anyone is gonna argue with me about james Irvin being a quality opponent we're gonna watch patrick cote and people don't usually bring that one up but i feel like cote was actually the most skill-wise competent striker that he fought uh, at that point. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't have a strong memory of the fight, but uh, yeah, it could, it could surprise us, I think. So let me get this set up here. Figure out what our timestamp is. And I overshot a bit there. And okay. So I'm all set up. So we're going to watch Anderson Silva versus Patrick Cote. Uh, a little bit of context. I don't think it's going to help too much, but uh, Cote got a title shot off of a one, two, three, four fight win streak in the UFC. Um, he had some UFC fights before that that he lost. He lost his first three UFC fights, in fact. And then they gave him another one, and he lost that one too. <laughs> um, but he was part of the comeback season. There you go. He's part of the comeback season and he beat a uh, nobody worth mentioning on the season. Then he lost <coughs> in the finale to Travis Luter. Um, so obviously he's not a grappler, uh, but yeah, then he beat Scott Smith, uh, his fellow Jason day. He beat Kendall Grove. You might remember from those of three, he drew McFedries, uh, you know, okay. And Ricardo Almeida. So that's how you get a title shot at middleweight in 2008. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I think he uh, he's pretty solid as a striker, which makes him an interesting matchup for Anderson Silva. So let's see uh, let's see how it goes. So in terms of timestamps, we're at a uh, twelve thirty nine on this one. So I'm gonna do a countdown, and then we're gonna we're gonna watch. Ready? Three, two, one, go. It's another open stance matchup, and same exact start as all the other ones. As he kicks that that leg from the open side, everyone's doing that. Like that that will work. <laughs> so Silva switched stances, I believe. And he's back to yeah, Silva's been switching stances. It gives you the outside leg kick. The outside leg kick is actually easier to counter uh if you're looking to straight punch against it. And uh Kote is kicking kicking against Silva's circling. So that's a response to something he's seeing, which is you know helpful, helpful for his case. I think Cote is going to suffer a bit in terms of attributes compared to some of these other opponents. I don't think he's uh, exceedingly physical in any one area. But we'll see. We'll see what we see. The Silva backing up a lot, taking the back foot, trying circling, uh, trying to force him to cover space and lead. I think Silva becoming more and more of a counterpuncher every fight we see and just framing off there off Cote's lead. Cote hitting that outside leg kick with the lead leg. And Coach is trying to mill a little bit, trying to paw a little bit as he comes into range with his hands, trying to anticipate the hand fight, but Silva's running to, <laughs> across the outside of the cage. 
not particularly good ring craft, but it is definitely throwing off Kote, and Kote is still winning the fight because he's the only one that's landed anything so far with these low kicks. But like we saw before, uh, winning the first round against Anderson Silva doesn't always work out. He adjusts, he makes reads, and he changes his approach over time. Um, and Silva checked that kick. So there you go. There's his own low kick to the inside of the leg. It was clearly more impactful than any of Cote's. Um, the Silva was a very self-aware fighter. I think he was, he was very much uh, in control of, of the dynamics of his fights and like knew how much he needed to do and how much time he had to do it. And um, Oh, a nice outside low kick and converts that into a, a double collar tie frame. There's a nice uh, snap kick into the stomach. And Kote tries to counter overhand with that, but didn't have the distance on it. Um, so basically, they're just trying to do what Dan Henderson did so far, is emulating Dan Henderson's game plan, which is not very good um, if you're supposed to be the striker. Seems like the game plan is don't try to punch him except for really obvious counters off kicks. So there he tries, goes double right hand, and it, it, it landed a little bit. It didn't, it didn't not work. So try to push him back again, see what happens. And Silva kind of baiting him with uh with the way that he's retreating. There's the capoeira step into it into his entry. Um, yeah, he set up him, he set himself up to push really hard off of his rear foot um to get that entry going. So it was a uh, actually a little bit more logical than it looked. Silva trying to get him to do something, I think, just trying to instill some panic by <laughs> by milling his hands. Would have worked on Dan Anderson. <laughs> the guy was jumpy uh double lead hook not not great mechanically but oh ate, ate that head kick to the to kote kote backs up and gets flying need and double double straight again kote trying to throw a little bit back so kote being a good striker for the time is uh interesting because he doesn't really have any tools that seem particularly good. Um, but I think people look different against Anderson Silva than they do against other fighters. But I mean, it's, I'm watching what he's trying to do and it's not, it's not good. So <laughs> he tried to double jab into his right hand there. And I think he had the distance on it and didn't throw it. It's funny. He's terrified of the counter, but he actually hasn't, I don't think he's been countered yet. It's been hitting the lead. Yeah, he's just uh, doesn't like this distance, doesn't like what Silva's doing. People talk about like the mystique and the aura with Anderson Silva is like a little bit, yeah. Like people are doing things that don't entirely make sense because uh, they're worried about something that hasn't happened yet. But the counter punching definitely becomes a real threat eventually. I just don't know which fight is going to be. Punts out that leg again to Silva. Kote trying to switch stance. I don't think he knows why. He's just trying to match Silva's stance. He's trying to get through these, these parries. He can't, he can't even get through the hands. Uh, skip up a switch kick from, from Silva. Yeah. Kote's very confused, which is uh, how, how are you going to win? <laughs> you got beat up pretty bad there. Oof. He had a really clean flying knee as well. Because switch knee, yeah, bicycle knee. Oh, yeah, super clean. Good chin, but if you're gonna use your chin, 
use it to force exchanges and lead on the front foot and actually get something going. Uh, right now, he's just trying to play outfighter with Silva, not really pressuring him too much, trying to be smart. I did air quotes. Um, but honestly, he's just shooting himself in the foot. Um, it's the first round, so there's always time to do better and make adjustments, but not inspired so far. But we'll see, man. See what happens. I hadn't listened to what Mark Delagrade said in the corner, but Joe Rogan is just over over the moon about it. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible advice. So apparently Mark Delagrade told Cote to think unpredictably and be aware of what Silva's doing. Like, no, he's thinking too much about what Silva's doing. He just needs to do his own stuff. That's the problem, is he's trying to figure out what Silva's doing and not just throwing combinations and offering offense. It comes out with the same kick he did in the first round. So that's not a change yet. <laughs> so he's being more proactive with his head movement. He's not trying to shoot that, that straight right through. Oh, he gets tagged the straight right uh, on the back foot. Silva kicks out that lead leg. There's a switch, jumping switch kick. Yeah, Anderson pressuring now. It seems like the theme with these fights is Anderson starts pressuring in the second round once he's sure of what you're, what you're capable of doing. You're a little more tired as well. Silva's got this underhook. <laughs> it's funny to see. Kote pummels for his own. Goes over under body lock. It's not using it in any way. Kind of has his fingers connected. Kote tries to hit off the break there. Silva low kicks him again, puts him in the cage. Just fainting him out with his jab, making him move a lot, kicking out his leg. Oh, Silva jumped into that, that round kick there. Oh, reactive double leg from Silva as, as Kote charged in. I'm I'm enjoying watching Anderson Silva beat these guys. <laughs> it's uh he is so ahead of the game. He is so ahead of the game. I appreciate it. Um it just it's unfortunate for him that he well it's I mean it's it's great for him that he that he got to fight people that were so behind developmentally where he was at, but it's unfortunate for his legacy in terms of the way I'm evaluating these fights that he doesn't have anybody good to fight for a while until he's much older um because he's he's got it he's got he's got some good stuff going on here just uh his bottom game is really terrible and his wrestling defensively is really terrible uh but everything else i like it i enjoy that what he's doing offers to help him up <laughs> that's funny though i like that he took him down i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that <laughs> So he's got basically a read on every single thing that he's done so far. And it's pretty easy because he's only done like three things. Just a leap into that uh that left hook. I don't know if Silva kicked out his leg when he did that or if he just tweaked it. Um, but I believe that's going to be the end of the fight. Um, I think that's a, a leg, the leg injury that ends the fight. So yeah, he's just, hard time getting back to his stance after he throws that kick. And Silva's looking low right now. Looking at his legs. Looking high again. He's, he's playing with his vision. 
of course, that's how he set up the Vitor Bell for uh, front kick. Silva doing a lot of stance switching for no reason. Cote uh, kicks uh, round, which is smart. Silva ends up uh, pairing it. Silva was honestly setting up this that that front kick to the face for like ten years before he <laughs> not ten years, more like five years, but it's just interesting to see he was doing what would eventually set that up and throwing that same kick to the body uh, the whole time uh, before he went high with it. Silva doing a lot of milling with his hands. You could say it's like setting up parries, but I think it's uh, nonsense mostly. But yeah. He doesn't really need to do much more. Cote can't close distance responsibly. Barely touched him with that overhand. Um, Silva's hit him basically anytime he's wanted to when he leads, but I think he prefers to make Cote miss wildly and, and hit him on the on the back foot. Yeah, Cote's leg is definitely hurt. <laughs> so no, I, I was not inspired by this performance by Patrick Cote. I didn't really see any competencies that inspired uh, quality. And uh, no, so that's a no on this one. I just remember him being like, supposedly one of the better strikers for the day. And um, I'm just watching Silva's wrestling defense here. But also, like, just on the record, like, Pat Cote didn't get finished. He, he lost due to injury. Um, so you're like, oh, well, maybe he did better than everyone else. He really didn't. Um, <laughs> he really didn't. Uh, but he, he tries to, to take him down here. It doesn't really have that ability, but tried to make an adjustment there. And Anderson uh, just... Earlier, he did limp leg out of that uh, the desperation takedown, which just shows he uh, he knows how to do some stuff. <laughs> now he's kneeing him from the over under. Oh, kneeing him super hard from the over under. Oof. Yeah, I think even if there was an injury, he probably would have finished him uh, within the next round or two. It's not like he was playing with his food too much. I mean, he was, but he was also landing some pretty impactful stuff. Akote is very durable. Um, so it's helping him stick around, but him being around isn't helping him win at all because he's not getting anything done. And uh, he's trying now. He wasn't trying enough earlier, but he doesn't really have much for him. <laughs> Show this up elbow that grazes the chin. I'm trying to listen to Mark Delegato here. It's just motivational advice. I can't tell if he's saying walk him down or lock it down. If he said walk him down, that would be better advice than lock it down. But it sounded more like he said lock it down. So maybe not good. Kote impressed with himself that he made it to the third round. I guess he was the first one uh, that Silva's fought so far to do so. So that's cool. But then Silva's like, hey, watch this. And he's going to let Talos Latest take him five rounds. <laughs> so Silva pressuring now. Cote's uh, still trying to do the same stuff and, and low kick and give him a lot of shoulder feints. Joe Rogan saying that Cote uh, hasn't been embarrassed, but I think he has been. Yeah, there's that leg injury catching up with him, so it's over. Uh, but yeah, no, I think he did get embarrassed. I think he got almost nothing done in the fight, and Silva had a lot of success anytime he tried to do anything, and he was just kind of playing with him and, and chilling. And he got taken down by Anderson Silva, which is really embarrassing. So, no, I would I would say he did get embarrassed, but 
you know, if, compared to everyone else's performances, he didn't get like finished as badly, but I would say he arguably had a worse shot at winning <laughs> than the other ones. The other ones like tried to actually force their win condition and then it fell apart under duress. Whereas Kote didn't really force anything and also fell apart. Uh, it was really durable so he was allowed to stay for longer but i think that's the only way that contributed so no he does not meet my standards or quality um but again i'm not saying this is anderson silva's fault not evaluating anderson silva as a fighter i'm just evaluating his opponents they're bad um (laughs) i'm not gonna watch the talus latest fight so if you have any strong feelings about that being quality go ahead uh, but I'm going to uh, watch the Forrest Griffin fight, and I think that's how this is going to end. Because that is just a really great way to end. So no one in their right mind would say this was a good performance by Forrest Griffin, but a lot of people would say that Forrest Griffin was a quality opponent. Now, it's funny because without knowing what the fight was like, and I'd just seen these, and I knew what Forrest Griffin's abilities were, I'd be able to say, yeah, he's a light heavyweight. He's bigger than him. He just uh, – did he was, – was he – how close to this was this to Forrest Griffin's championship run? Because he was the light heavyweight champion after he beat Rampage Jackson. This is the fight after he lost the title. So he, he had just beat Rampage – he beat Shogun – he beat Rampage Jackson by leg kicking him and taking him down, which is how everyone's tried to beat Anderson Silva so far. Uh, and then he got knocked out by Rashad. But, you know, a weight class up with that skill set, you'd be like, yeah, he could get to upper body takedowns um, and he could top game. He's the best top game of pretty much ever anyone he's fought so far. Um, so it's not like Forrest Griffin had a chance. So you were like, oh, it was, you know, of course he wasn't going to win. It's like, no, he had a chance. Um, so let's see what this performance is and see how he used those abilities that he could have beat Anderson Silva with. Um, I think that's what people miss in the narrative of this fight. Of course, um, I need to give you a timestamp. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. The timestamp is 11.10. Three. Two, one, go. So what you going to do, Forrest Griffin? You're going to kick the inside of the leg to start? He is not going to do that because he did see James Irvin get knocked out doing that. Um, so, <laughs> so Griffin trying to jab from the outside. Didn't really enter on it, just kept it long. Pawing into open side kick. And clearly very big. Silva doesn't look small here, but he's, he's the biggest person Silva's fought so far, who was of any sort of quality because James Irvin doesn't count. So Griffin just trying to jab from the outside, very long jab from far away, and kick on the outside with him. So if you look at like Dan Henderson's performance, you could just do this and wait for Silva to lead and then try to get your reactive body lock or reactive takedown in some other way. Griffin did a little bit of lead with the uh, the rear straight. So when he's not like actually trying to cover distance, like it's a kick caught there, almost gets countered off that. So that's going to scare him off of kicking a little bit. Pulling his jab out, trying to hit that inside uh, with the lead leg kick. 
little Superman punch feint. Terrible idea. Um, yeah, he's throwing very measured from the outside, you know, trying to keep everything on the end of his punches. This is a fine approach here. It's let's see what changes to make him commit hard to, to, to trying to hit Silva and, and get him countered the way that it that it happened. Yeah, he's throwing very lightly and everything is straight so far. But then, you know, to complement that, he is hitting these round kicks. So, if, you know, if Silva gets really slippy. Uh, so there there he went jab, uh, right hook, and Silva slipped under that. So that could be setting up the uh, that later dynamic. And Silva tries to do that straight straight lead. Oop. And Griffin actually backed straight out of it, but then he ran out of room, and uh, Silva got got a hook through against out, out around his arms outside his guard and uh, dropped him immediately with the first punch he landed clean. <laughs> So I think that would change things. That that probably put some urgency into him. Yeah, he's trying to lead there, and he gets cuffed uh, with a counter hook there. Abandons uh, the way he was fighting earlier, pretty quickly. So durability not in Forrest Griffin's favor in this fight at all. Uh, speed is not there um, <laughs> for sure either. Um, amount of ideas. He's throwing. He's throwing at him. There's a nice lead straight from Silva, and he's pressuring with his hands down, trying to draw out some more leads. Yep, and there's, that's when he slips and rolls under everything and hits that straight counter. Puts him down with a really hard counter. Um, and uh, he's, I, I'm not going to judge him anymore because he's, uh, he's probably out of it. He's been dropped multiple times now, uh, so I'm not going to dissect him any further but just to think about what his game plan was earlier um i don't think it matters that much because his chin just was not even remotely there for him to have a chance um that he was getting hurt so easily um i think you know anderson silva being a very accurate striker there you go um has a lot to do with that but just he he's the weight class up from the guys that silva's been fighting and he got hurt so much more easily um this didn't really seem to have a chance uh couldn't lead responsibly at all like I think this was Anderson Silva's the best his boxing had looked in any of these fights so far. Like, yeah, it was Forrest Griffin, but that was the best his boxing had looked so far. Uh, despite that, like Forrest Griffin wasn't leading that much worse than these other guys were at that point. Um, but I think Anderson Silva just had no respect for Forrest Griffin's punching power or speed and felt really comfortable doing that. So maybe he was capable of doing that before and just didn't want to bust it out quite yet. Um, but yeah, Forrest Griffin approached that fight pretty terribly. And you, you could say like it was going to turn into something like Dan Henderson did or uh, some of these other guys that got reactive takedowns on him did. But he didn't take the opportunity. He had one opportunity to give that look, and he didn't do it. Um, so it was a pretty pitiful performance. Now, when someone loses in the first round, they don't show that much. Sometimes it's fair to go watch other fights. Um, and judge them based on that so you have more information but i mean that was that was a decent amount of time and griffin just uh he didn't have a great approach there let's be honest so i don't really want to rate that as a quality win for silva you can be like you can think someone's a quality fighter and think they did a terrible job and approached a fight really badly and you can say like he did it that way because of anderson silva yeah that's true but also if he had done better, it would have been different. <laughs> you know, with within himself, within his own own abilities, Forrest Griffin could have made that a tougher fight. Um, so I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. 
it's weird. It's, it's weird to, to do these this way, but um, I think just the fact that I'm so borderline with a lot of these wins for Anderson Silva is just shows that, you know, his resume doesn't really hold up that well over time, but his ability I think does um, at least as a striker and, you know, transitionally and in a lot of different respects um, it's nice. It's interesting to see how Anderson Silva's skills uh, do hold up. Um, and, you know, he's clowning these guys exactly as badly as he should have. Um, if you took like a modern fighter and you put him back, uh, put him back in time and have them fight these same people, this is what I would expect them to do to them. But I also wouldn't expect them to get taken down in top games. <laughs> so that's the only difference. But in terms of, of striking and things like that, and, you know, not just any modern fighter, but a modern champion, uh, this is how well that they should be able to do um, against this level of opposition. So our next episode should be a little bit more interesting. Um, I think it's just progressively getting more interesting because we're into the, uh, the late part of his run. Um, I don't know if I want to watch the Damian Maya fight. I probably won't, but we're definitely going to watch the Chael Sonnen fight. Uh, I mean, that's the best anyone ever did against Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva before he lost. But is that necessarily going to make it a quality win? We'll find out. Um, Vitor Belfort did badly against him, but that might be one of the higher quality wins that he's had. Um, Yushin Okami, we'll see. Um, it, it's funny because like same same deal with Forrest Griffin. Like Yushin Okami on paper is somebody based on the prior successes people had had against Anderson Silva, somebody that should have done well. Um, and there's Chael again, and then Stefan Bonner, obviously not. But I think we're going to finish pretty much his entire championship run in the next episode. And then um, maybe we'll do, like, the Bisping fight and the Brunson fight um, and the Diaz fight in, in a final episode. Just because, uh, you know, obviously he didn't get the win against Bisping, but it's, it's, it's a good measure of quality, how he can do against a quality opponent. And there's probably some sort of argument for him winning. I'll score it. But uh, I don't I don't remember thinking he won. And then the Brunson fight, I'll probably score it and probably give it to Brunson. But um, yeah, in the DS fight, I think it's a win. So um, we got to count that. But yeah, we're almost done. This actually didn't take very long because I got to skip a bunch of people <laughs> just because they definitely weren't going to make it. So yeah, there you go. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, I hope that my explanations and my context have alleviated any complaints you might have about me disparaging fighters from an earlier era. Like I know that it's all relative and that they, they were what they were for the time. And that's great. Um, but I'm just, people really do make the argument that these guys are as good, as good as fighters today. And that's crazy. That's so insane. People really say that. So for an exercise watching them, confirming that is not true (laughs) and uh and moving on but yeah i hope you enjoyed it and we'll do another episode next week